Blog Talk Radio. On a mountain, in a valley, I beheld only God. In hardship, I saw Him by my side. In ease and well-being, I behold only God. Like a candle, I melt in His flames. Amidst the sparks of the flames, I see only God. Good morning. Welcome to You Are Okay with Blog Talk Radio. Playing behind me as a Niles Be Still Thy Soul. Today's program is Still Your Tongue and Your Pen. My co-host Brian is on the other line. Good morning, Brian, and welcome. Good morning, Mara. Good morning, listeners. We are here only to be truly helpful. We are here to represent Him who sent us. We do not have to worry about what to say or what to do because He who sent us will direct us. We are content to be wherever He wishes, knowing He goes there with us. We will be healed as we let him teach us to heal. That is wonderful. And I have to tell you, periodically there's something in your passage that just grabs my heart. And today it is the part about we are content to be wherever he leads us because he will be there with us. And I'm not sure I quoted it precisely, but that just resonates with today's topic, is that when we go into a situation, we go into that situation as our highest self, our divine self, our best self. It's putting your best foot forward, and we're not there alone. And sometimes in our silence, we accomplish what hastily spoken words could never accomplish. We bring peace to the moment. So welcome today to You Are Okay with Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for joining us. Brian, how has your week been? We were talking a bit about that before the show began. Well, on the business front, as I was uh, speaking with you earlier about, uh, things are looking really good for this year. Um, As far as my business goes, my business kind of follows tourist season, and as tourist season starts to come into full force in the spring and into the summer, uh, things looking pretty good at the moment. So looks like it's going to be a wonderful year on that front. And on other matters in my personal life, things are going fantastic. I'm learning lots every day and um, just moving forward in a positive way. Wonderful, wonderful. And for all of us, it's, it's heartening to hear that it looks like we're going to have a good tourist season because that means people are traveling and generally when people are without funds traveling is not something that they can do so from an economic standpoint that's a positive piece of information and I'm certainly hopeful the same proves true for California too Uh, we hear so many doomsday reports but I'm hoping that that proves true here too Um, we are having, as I said earlier, a topic today about not speaking, stilling your tongue and your pen. And it was interesting when I went to write about this program. Uh, I wrote, join Mare and Brian to talk about flowing through the hard times by allowing yourself time to be glad you didn't say what you were thinking. Hastily spoken words can echo forever. Now, anyone out there who hasn't said something they regretted and then had those words come back to them, raise your hand. Wow, I don't see any hands. Obviously, I wouldn't, but the point is I don't think I would. Because we, as human beings, are so quick when our ire is up to stop listening to people and to start calculating how we're going to respond to them. And in that process, we may say something that misses the mark. 
I can tell you, I sit in court all the time, and I listen to my opposing counsel speak, and many, many, many times they are talking about something that is either so close to what I am saying that we could be giving the same presentation, and they haven't listened to what I said. And since we have the word opposing in the comment, when it's my turn to speak, they about fall out of their chair when I say we agree, and then I say why. Because they've made my case. So many, many times, we as human beings get caught up in talking. This last week, I had a friend call who was unhappy with... um, her boyfriend, and she had said all these words, and they had hurt his feelings, of course. You know, despite the popular belief out there, Brian, please tell me if I'm wrong, men have feelings too. Uh, yeah, men I'm not <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So she said all these things, grounded in her reality, grounded in her pains, and, and for a large part, grounded in the past. Things that had happened that were not being, could not be forgotten. And, and one of the first things I said to this friend was, you know, if you can't forget and forgive those past things, maybe you need to decide if you want to be in this moment with this person. I mean, that's really kind of a critical decision. You know, because people, I don't think any of us want to go through life as investigators and challengers. You don't want to live with your opposing counsel constantly battling each other like gladiators in the in the Colosseum. So that was one thing. And the other thing I said, because I had just filled in this, was try stilling your tongue. This is a difficult time for him. Support him being his best self. even though it involves him being his best self to someone that he used to be involved with. I don't know where it's come that when you stop being involved with someone, you have to start hating them. You don't. We're human beings. Why would we not still care for people? Isn't it a belittling of our prior emotions to put down someone that we cared about? So she called yesterday to tell me that he went to visit his former uh, fiancé who has been diagnosed with cancer. He sent her some flowers after asking my friend if he could. And she said, of course, that's what I like about you, those kinds of things. And he's being his highest self with someone else. And my friend, who does feel a little bit of that quivery feeling in the heart and in the chest, is respecting his honesty and is trying to let pastimes go. And she said to me, I'm holding my tongue. And I thought, how many times as a child, particularly in school, would we hear teachers say, you need to hold your tongue, be quiet? How many times did we hear that in those old old antiquity books that they would read? They weren't antiquity, I'm teasing. But they were about, you know, the old West and stuff, and people were being admonished to hold their tongues. And I have to tell you, I would titter in my mind because I would imagine reaching up and grabbing my tongue with my fingers and holding it. But now as an adult, (laughs) I was not always the most somber child. (laughs) I was like, "Ah." I I was spanked in school, friends, I will tell you. And uh, only once, once was enough. It was too embarrassing. But, you know, I, I tried to learn to be more somber in keeping with what my teachers expected. But that was, you know, reality is how many times... Would things just be better if we would stay quiet? 
and I guess that takes us back to something we talked about a couple weeks ago. Are we here to be right, or are we here to be at peace? And, and maybe even going a little deeper, that's Don Miguel's question, Don Miguel Reese's, and he suggests that we buy our peace by being by just letting someone else be right. But I think it, it even goes a, a bit deeper. Are we here to be a divine being supporting someone else? And how often are the words that we want to say actually words that arise from our own insecurities in the situation? And wanting to put at rest and be the winner of the situation. And sometimes there doesn't need to be a winner. And that's something that's very hard for us in our human spirit to believe. I'm almost inclined to think that may be part of why we like to come and be humans. Is quelling the desire to be the victor, the winner. And allowing, as Brian so artfully told us six weeks ago, allowing ourselves to let the moment flow around us. And through us with its peace. And accepting this moment just as it is. and ourself as being in the moment because we were led to that moment, but also that we were not led here and left here alone. We are one with God who is everywhere, on a mountain, in a valley, always by our side, in our bedrooms, in our boardrooms, in our courtrooms, in our kitchens, in our schools, driving our cars. We are never alone. We are always all one. So we'd love to hear your thoughts on today's topic, 646-595-3584. And that's just kind of the summary. Now we're going to go to Brian and, and let him talk about it because I have to tell you I'm always moved by the wisdom that Brian brings to the table and by someone so young having so much information that can help you be calm in the moment. So, Brian, thank you. I'm passing the baton. Thank you, Mara. And to speak on that note, I'm so moved every time I'm speaking on these things as well because that's what it's all about is to get into that flow and allow yourself to be moved by it, move through it, and share what comes to you in that very moment. You see, wisdom is not something that we hold on to and that, oh, I have a storehouse of wisdom. Wisdom is knowing what is appropriate in that very moment. And the only way you can know what is appropriate in any given moment is to be conscious and aware of all the aspects of that moment. And then from that information, you're able to see what is appropriate. But the seeingness is still something that comes to you. It's not a calculated effort, but rather an observation. And coming from your higher self, you can't help but see the answer. And so, and this is exactly what we're talking about today. We're talking about consciousness. We're talking about awareness. We're talking about staying alert and recognizing when saying something would actually bring about an experience of more negativity and when we can simply recognize for ourselves in that moment that if we hold our tongue and not say those words or if we not type those words or write down those words in a hateful manner towards someone, then we're going to be sharing more of the light and not perpetuating more of the darkness. How many times in an argument before the argument begins, someone says something and you take it personally and feel hurt by it and then in response, you lash out and attack and now all of a sudden, the whole conversation turns into an argument and all that's taking place is just a fighting match back and forth and a lot of times, the whole argument or the whole um, subject matter that was being brought up for this discussion gets lost in the argument 
and now it just becomes a complete fighting match, and nothing, nothing progressive is taking place in such a confrontation. And so learning to recognize, even learning to recognize that you did lash out with your tongue, and let it go, turn turn the tables over as quickly as you can, and recognize that you had fault in speaking out in that way, and then apologizing and trying to come back to a fundamental basis of awareness and actual conversation rather than argument and fighting. And when we can start to just notice these things, then we can start to make the change. Because when we find ourselves in that space, for one, being in that space of argumentative and fighting is a place of unawareness. It's a place of not recognizing that you're doing that. And so the moment that we bring awareness into it, and it doesn't matter how deeply into it we get, we can stop ourselves the moment we recognize. Unless we find ourselves being so prideful that we don't want to to change the, the, the tables over and turn it back around and get back to the place where a positive thing can be coming out of the experience. And so as we begin to recognize these things and as we begin to not only hold our tongue, but if you will, swallow it and speak in the right manner, speak in an apologetic and helpful manner and bring bring ourselves back to a place of equilibrium that we can find ourselves experiencing whomever in our lives the way that we would truly desire to experience them. And we can find that no matter what was said in that space of feeling hurt, feeling attacked, feeling defensive, no matter what we feel in that moment, when we apologize for it and we truly mean it and we move beyond it, there's nothing that we can't get over, there's nothing that we can't get beyond, and there's nothing that we can't do to repair past experiences. But it's really the hardening of the situation and not having any desire to move beyond it because we're so prideful that really puts the the pride is what puts the wall there in the first place and holding on to it is what makes it pretty much impossible to repair the situation. And like you said, why would you ever want to be totally upset, angry, and not want anything to do with someone that you've had a long relationship with, no matter how it ends? Why would you want to hold that in your experience when you can just simply say, it didn't work out, we both made mistakes, but we can be cordial and we can be friends and we can move on in a different um, arena with one another in our lives. And it all comes down to not only recognizing that we were doing something that wasn't beneficial for ourselves nor for the other person, and then, like I said, recognizing that it was the pride that brought us to that place, and as we can let that go, we can find ourselves living a more happy and involved life with everyone in our lives. Yes. Yes. That is so beautiful, and that's exactly true. A more involved life, and maybe a more evolved life also. Yes. A more, and, I, and I like what you said about feeling it. You know, when you feel it, I think we all feel that transition from from being at peace or being friendly. I don't care what word you use to describe it. The sense of peace, of not being engaged in needing to be right, and the and the shift. It is it's a shift in our our chemistry in our bodies. Where the adrenaline starts pumping. I mean, it is no mistake that we were given signals that tell us when the shift is occurring, and and very visible physical responses. Your body gets tenser, your voice gets louder, your speech pattern gets faster, you know. And my friends, you need to listen to yourself. That was the point I was trying to make about what happens in the courtroom. You not only need to listen to your opponent or the other person opponent, bad choice of words, uh, excuse me, I was still caught in the courtroom. and I. But you need to listen to the person across the table from you, sitting beside you who's talking to you. Don't just 
respond and react to a couple of words. And then you need to listen and feel what you are saying. (coughs) The victories I have had in life, when I have heard words come out of my mouth that are my humanity, that are human-driven, It amazes me when we talk about humanitarian actions. That's not what we're looking for, folks. We want to get past humanitarian. We want to get past human. We want to get to divine. Because the human part is scrambling, scratching, struggling to keep, to not share, not recognizing our unity. Maybe it needs to be unitarian action. Something or God-given actions uh, or God-driven actions. But I'm always a little bit worried when we start trying to justify our highest deeds in the concept of human. That's just my personal thing. But when you're talking to someone, you should hear what you're saying. Because... Sometimes what they hear is not what you intended. And that gives you a good chance to fix it, bam, and to start tapping down that adrenaline that's beginning to course through your human body and allow your soul to to kind of move in and calm things down by breathing. Breathing in and breathing out slowly. Because so many times that clutchy feeling that you're having comes because you've stopped breathing. In other words, you have voluntarily made a choice to do this without God, who, as Brian reminded us this morning, is there every time we're in a situation. But if you're not breathing in and breathing out, if you're not looking outside your humanity for answers, then more likely than not, you are caught up in the humanity humanity struggle, the human struggle to be right. But if you listen to yourself, suddenly, I mean, there have been times, I will tell you straight up, times when I've heard my words and I thought, oh my gosh, and I will catch them before they respond. And I'll say, I'm so sorry. There is no way you could have heard those words any differently than I'm sure you did and I don't know why I said them that way I really I mean I do know it's my human desire to trample and and, you know my human desire to be right I said but I don't feel them that way I don't feel that way and I don't want us to move down that path and it's it's almost disarming Interesting word, huh? Disarming. Yeah. Because you see the person's face, and suddenly, whether they've heard a word you've said before, except the mean thing you said, or whether they remembered a word that you had said before, it's like God enters the conversation. Suddenly, everybody's seeing more in the other than they might be showing at that moment. And there's a shift. There's a shift, and and it makes it possible to move toward a more divine resolution. It may not always be a perfect resolution, but a more divine resolution. I know sometimes I share stories. I want to share a story with you about, and it's it's a law story. And right now I'm probably kind of caught up in the law stuff because I'm in the middle of, um, I'm I'm an applicant for a fairly significant um, upward adjustment. It would give more money, which would be very nice. But also... uh, it would if if i'm not the person selected my world is going to change and i 
I don't know how because I don't know who would be the person selected. So I have no idea. And I'm presuming you all would be well, but, you know, because all always is well and we need to flow through it. But law is kind of in my mind right now. And um, one time I I used to really be caught up in all of the, the prestige of the law. And I didn't like being a heightened sixth sensor at all. In fact, it really interfered with my being that aggressive piranha lawyer that people were hiring. And um, I basically, at one point, would have given it away if I could have. And I'm ashamed to tell you that. But shame is a human emotion, you know, because um, God's okay with what I did. Uh, Here I am, and obviously I couldn't give it away, (laughs) you know. And my eyes were opened, and in fact my eyes were opened uh, at, at the height of the time when I was trying to give it away. And I would have people call me, just as I've told you, I had people call me, I have people call me now, I would periodically have friends call, and they would just want to talk. And sometimes they would want what at that point I didn't know was called a reading. But they would just want my instincts. Oh, boy, was I... (laughs) I'm so wise. (laughs) It was, you know, I knew that I was not speaking my words, and I would tell them that. This isn't my words. This is what I'm sensing. But one time a friend came to me with something that was really, really um, negative, and she asked me to try to intervene. And um, I do believe that although we are all connected and and although the negative is part of the positive, um, you know, I, I went after this negative energy with a strength and a conviction of that I would go before an appellate court before the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, I mean, or the Supreme Court of the United States. I, I had all of the same diligence and, and work, and I, I fought it, and I fought it, and I fought it, and um, brought to my friend a brief respite, which then passed. But as at one time someone said to me that when you go into battle with a skunk, you come out smelling. I don't believe that there are us and thems in this world and that the negative is not in the end embraced by God, but I do believe that there are lessons we learn from the negative, the dark, and that it's not a doomsday. But I'm not going to tell you I believed that at that point. I've grown in my understanding of things. So at that point, I saw myself almost as a warrior. And remember, much of the reality, whether it is spiritual or other reality that we live, we create because we are all huge manifestors. And so I am having these battles with this darkness that was surrounding this other person. It was when I learned that I don't, get involved in another person's life because someone else asks me to. And those of you who have listened for a long time know that I I have said in the past, uh, I can't tell you what your friend, I can feel what your friend is thinking, but I can't tell you what your friend is thinking because there's just a professionalism, if that's the right word. That's just not something I should be doing. That's that person's life. I shouldn't invade it. And... Um, but I hadn't learned that yet. So as I'm caught up in all of this negativity, battling it back, battling it back, battling it back, I'm still being this fairly um, good lawyer, having a very solid practice, holding some positions of prestige and honor in legal professions. And so um, I went to New York City, or excuse me, I went to... um, Washington, D.C., to a meeting for a group that I was a part of. Um, I was the president of my local chapter. And one night, sleeping on the top bunk in my friend's house, um, because you try to keep your friendships going even when you're a workaholic, I, 
I had this sensation. I saw, and I often say, I see things in terms of water. And I saw this giant waterfall. And it was just this huge waterfall, but at the bottom there was this burst of light. And so I I had no idea what that was. Uh, I didn't, to be frank with you, I didn't associate it with any sort of premonition. And uh, that next morning at 5 in the morning, I was called to be told that my oldest daughter was brutally raped. And that blew me away. And... A series of events arose because my choices there to go be with my daughter led to some attorneys who worked under me at my law firm uh, to feel insecure. And a series of things happened that we don't need to go into. But um, then in May, I went to my youngest daughter's graduation from Haverford College in Philadelphia. We were certainly on in all the right circles, if there's such a thing as right. We were in the economically esteemed circles, let's say that. And um, I saw my daughter walking across this um, this large field. I know they had a word for it, a green, I guess they called it. And um, her head was down to her knees. And I was looking from her room as we were packing her things to send her home to California. And at that point, I realized something terrible was wrong. I was already on the edge, folks. I was really on the edge. I believe there is an edge. I didn't think that I could handle much more. But I walked out, and my youngest daughter told me that they believed she had cancer. And it was a college clinic, but it was frightening. And so we all did all the things that we needed to do. And I felt like a cracked nut. And and I was a little bit, maybe a lot bit angry at God that here I had been battling all of this darkness and suddenly all of this was happening to me. And so when the graduation was over, I went back to my law firm, which before my daughter was raped the day I left to go to Washington, had three attorneys working in it and had enough work for five uh, to being the only attorney working in it and enough work for five. And I um, went to a settlement conference in a very small matter And as you mature in the law, you get to be involved in higher and more significant cases, and your associates deal with cases that are worth $3,000. But unfortunately, the associate who had been handling that case was gone. And it was kind of sad because it was a big day for me. There was something happening that I had worked to have happen for the the local bar, and it, it was an exciting opportunity for me to get more of that recognition, which obviously felt I felt that I craved. Uh, and so, my um, I go down to this settlement conference, and now. Remember what I said about listening to yourself. And as I went into the settlement conference, the man, I had pictures of the man that showed that he wasn't hurt. And that's always a bad place to be because it's very difficult to show someone what they call sub-rosa pictures and say, you're not really hurt and not hurt them. Because at the very least, you're calling them a liar. And the man asked for $25,000, which was a lot of money. And I knew I could only pay $3,000, maximum $3,500. And so we went through all the processes of the man and his wife going in and listening to the judge and telling the judge what I said. And fortunately, I was saved from having to... Uh, tell the man to his face. And while they were doing that, while they were in with the judge and their attorney, I was sitting out in the hallway praying, 
God, take me through this moment. I don't know. I don't know what I can do anymore. And so I'm in the hallway praying because I felt so cracked by what had happened to my children, by what the darkness, the darkness that had come to my children and ultimately to me. I wasn't losing faith in God, but I definitely felt broken. And finally, the judge calls us all in and tells me that they've accepted my $3,500 offer. And so, of course, being the attorney that I was, uh, I was very excited to pass that on to uh, my adjuster, and I went outside to tell the adjuster that they were going to take this $3,500 offer. And uh, he's, oh, good, I wouldn't have given any more, and so on and so forth, and I'm listening to him. And the plaintiff and his wife come out. And so I hang up, and the wife is standing there, close to me, but not in my space. And I hang up the phone, and she looks up, and she says, God put you on my heart. Don't do it. Don't turn your back on God. made adjustments and how I practice the law. I've set my ego aside so that when people look at my resume and they get to that year, 1997, I'm sure they wonder what happened. I stopped being presidents of bar associations. I stopped a lot of things, and I started being a mother. But I did not turn my back on God. Because God sent me a woman whose husband wanted $25,000. And I gave him $3,500. And he sent her to hug me and hold me. God is everywhere. Brian, would you lead us in the meditation, please? Sure, but before we do that, let me just say something on what you just said now. And the whole story you just shared with us now and the outcome of that speaks exactly what I just spoke about earlier. And we can see that it's the same lesson everywhere. Or when we're in communication with someone, or we're seeing the equality in that person, then there is the equality, and we're recognizing that we're both equal, we're both in this together. But it's when we start to harden ourselves against that one, and we put up this wall, and we say that that person's wrong and they're less than, and we hold ourselves in high esteem, then we are, over, we're turning our back on God in that person because we are equal and everyone is equal to one another. And so we might not agree with someone's actions. We might not agree with someone's behaviors and words. But at the bottom line, everyone uh, deserves respect. Everyone deserves to be treated like a human being. And we, we can't forget that no matter what someone does, they're still a human being and they're still equal to us. And when we can start to look at things in that way, we can look beyond the words, we can look beyond the behaviors, and we can see that that person is still worthy of our love. And it doesn't matter what they've done, we can still love that person. When we, find, when we start to remember that and live by that, and we're not forgetting the God in that person, and we're not forgetting the God in ourselves, 
at the same time. And that is a humongous lesson that we need to learn, to look beyond all those things and still recognize and see and respond to the God within all of life so that we don't lose our groundedness, so that we don't lose our equilibrium, so that we, would, we don't lose the truth of who we really are. Don't lose the truth of who you are, my friends. Listen to the people who bring you messages. God is everywhere and see more in others than they are showing you. Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes it's hard. And sometimes um, we think we have a handle on it because we're meeting all of humanity's expectations about what success are or success is. But we don't have a hold on our our divine responsibilities. To think that I was willing to give away my gifts, and they are many, <laughs> they are many, far more than I've ever displayed on this show. And to do so coming from a family of gifted people, um, I call them my responsibilities, but it's the same difference. In our world, we often talk about them as gifts. It troubles me to use that word because it makes it sound like I think I'm special and I don't. The gift is a gift between God and I. Before I joined this body, I said to God, God asked me, showed me what this life would be like, and asked me if I could take on this life and live all these things, become that person that I was in 1997, so that people could not claim that I was crazy ever. Believe me, folks. There's not. Some people may not believe what I believe, and they may look at me askance, but they never think I'm crazy. And you do not know how many crazy, how many people are in asylums around our country because they came with exactly the same agreement that I had with God which was to keep my foot on the other side and to share what I feel as the truth that I know it to be. And so I know that I had to get to that place in 1997 where I was respected by my peers, respected by people across my state, so that I would be sitting in this chair today and people would listen to this program and not think oh there's another one of those woo 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 people now my kids do they still think I'm a woo 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 person but there's a credibility that comes from our accomplishments and there was no accident in my life no accident all of that has happened happened to bring me to this place right now. And to tell you that God is everywhere. And if you still your tongue, if you hold your tongue, if you still your words and stop writing, still your pen, God will help you write and deliver the best message that the moment needs to keep it flowing around you in peace. And sometimes that will be no message and no words. I'm going to play. I'm sorry? I was going to say sometimes it will just be a simple smile and a hug. Yes. Yes. I, I will always feel, and I, I didn't mean to make this show about me, Brian, and I apologize in that regard, but I oh, will no always worries. feel that woman's arms holding me and telling me God is worried about me. And, you know, I said to her, oh, don't worry. I can never forget God. 
remembering God and choosing to honor God are very different things. I was honoring man and man's accomplishments. Or lawyer man, whatever, Perry Mason, that was me. Let me play. I'm trying to look for something that's in the right. We only have just 14 minutes remaining. Uh, Let me play Solar Wind Interstellar. It's 11 minutes, and that will give us four minutes to close the show. And I thank you. I thank you all. Uh, And Brian, Solar Wind Interstellar, and thank you for leading us in this meditation. My pleasure, Mara. So let us now spend this time in opening ourselves up to the more of who we really are. Let us choose consciously right now in this space to make this connection. And in making this connection consciously we become it more fully and are able to respond from this space rather than the space of hurt of fear and of defense for as long as you offer up defense you are are validating attack Attack and defense are one and the same. They're just different sides of the coin. But to be in the space of knowing your true self and to live from that space, you do not have to defend the space you're in. You can't help but exemplify it in all of your words, all of your thoughts, and all of your actions. And it comes down to being consistent. If you are consistent in the truth, then there is no defense needed. You only need defense when you are trying to cover up when you are trying to validate inconsistency. So as we recognize the difference between being who we really are and living from the space of love, and when we recognize that we're not living from that space, the moment we become aware of it, and as we become more aware of it, we were able in that moment to consciously choose again, to consciously choose a different direction. And so as we spend this time now becoming more conscious of what it feels like to be joined with the truth of who we really are, which is at the very core the very center of our being. Our eyes are opened to recognize more and more of the truth of this space. So please join me now in this space by closing your eyes and allowing yourself to breathe slowly deeply and very, very naturally. With each inhalation, breathe in the beauty and the freshness of a new breath. And as you breathe out, simply let go of all conflict, all worry, fear, and doubt and feel yourself relaxing more and more and more into the peace of your being as you consciously choose 
to let go of everything that holds you in conflict against your natural self. Your natural fundamental way of being is peaceful, harmonious, loving, caring, and joyous. And whenever you experience something else other than these fundamental experiences, you can know that it is self-imposed and it is not natural. And because it is not natural, you will know it. But you will only know it when you are paying attention to it. In other words, whenever you are feeling fearful, whenever you are feeling upset, ashamed, guilty, whenever you are angry, the sensations within you are attempting to grab your attention to let you know that this is not your rightful place. This is not your natural state of being. And at any moment that you recognize this and accept the truth of this, you can let these unnatural things go that you have chosen for yourself, whether it was a conscious choice or not, you chose for it. And because you chose for it, because you created it for yourself by choosing for it, you made it. It was not done to you. And because this is the truth, you could choose a new choice and have a new effect in your life, a new experience, and one that represents and reflects more of the truth of who you really are. And to simply make this choice from choosing opposition and instead choosing harmony is a, con is a choice of consciousness. Recognizing when you are choosing to reflect your higher self and when you are not. That is all that is required of you. You see, you are not here to make the best person you can be. You are here to allow yourself to be the person that you truly are. But when you came here, you put on a costume that has hidden the truth of who you are, away from yourself and from others. So your only mission, your only objective, your only goal is to let go of this costume and to be your natural, peaceful, and loving self. Your divine, perfect being that you are awaits your recognition and awaits your choice to be that and only that consistently. And consistency is another natural state of being. Inconsistency is something that you work very hard to achieve. All forms of attempting to be what you are not exhaust you and tire you out, wear you down and make you feel less than. But these are all self-imposed experiences that are not natural to you. Your natural state of being 
is very, very easy and effortless because you are what you are, what you are. But as you attempt to be, to be what you are not and to believe in this thing that you are not so strongly and attempt at every moment to be that and only that, you will experience conflict and you will experience inconsistency because the truth of you is always shining forth and it expends no effort to shine forth. But like a child trying to plug a hole with his finger in the wall, you constantly have to be alert to try and plug the hole that allows the light out from who you truly are. And because the light knows no boundaries, they can find every little crack, every little crevice in the facade that you try to impose on top of it. And as long as you continue to attempt to make what you are not be who you are, which can never be who you are, you will experience fear and conflict, worry and doubt. And you will be in a constant state of alertness, looking for the next place where the light shines through. And the moment that you simply let go of any attempt to block the light and let who you think you are dissolve into the light as the light comes forth and shine forth. You find yourself effortlessly and peacefully being who you really are. And in this experience, you find yourself at home. You find yourself at peace. And you find yourself in the eternal state of harmony. Yes. I'm going to play a little piece that's a little dramatic at the beginning, my friends, but it's called Find Yourself. It will take us out for the final two minutes. It is perfect with what Brian has just said. I send you all good wishes and and wish you well. What 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 is love? Brian. Thank you, Mara, for the show today. It was very enlightening. Yes, it was, and thank you, Brian, very much. I do appreciate your your coming and being spending these Sunday morning times, our appointment for all of us with God. And thank you, listeners, for joining us as well. For your participation was just as valid as ours. So thank you. Yes. And as you go about your week, I really encourage you each to remember that you are what God told me to title my little book, Uniquely Created, Divinely Inspired. You. Yes, you. And when you find yourself in uncomfortable situations, remember that you're in exactly a situation that you and God envisioned you might be in. And you made a contract with God that you could remember who you are and more importantly perhaps or equally importantly you could remember who the other person is we are all of the body and the body is one peace be with each and every one of you this week as you go about your business and thank you for joining us Namaste Until next week, experience more of the peace of who you really are. Namaste. Namaste.